it's really, really important for me to be recognizing others and to be doing what was done for me, to be saying, you can do this. And this is men and women alike, but I, I think it's really important to recognize women and the work that they're doing and the accomplishments. Welcome back to your source for anything and everything public education, brought to you by the Canadian Teachers Federation. Today's podcast is the first of our Women in Leadership series. Now you have the chance to learn about the women who are leading their organizations throughout the CTF FCO membership. The first of our series features Karen Littlewood, president of the Ontario Secondary School Teachers Federation, commonly known as OSSTF FESO. I'm Andrew King, your host of this episode. I had the chance to sit down with Karen to find out how she became the leader she is today, becoming president during the pandemic, and the challenges facing women in leadership. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Karen Littlewood on Source. How you doing? Good, how are you? I'm not bad. It's good to be here with you. Two years into a pandemic, you come in halfway through as president. What's it been like? It's been challenging. I was elected during the pandemic in a virtual uh, meeting that we had. Back Thinking back to March of 2020, things ended really suddenly. We were in the midst of bargaining. We were in the midst of rotating strikes. And then, bam, everything shut down. And along the way, I decided that I would want to run for president and was fortunate enough to have the support of our delegates at our annual general meeting and was elected. But the transition during a pandemic makes it really hard because a lot of that was sitting alone somewhere doing Zoom meetings or whatever. This September, being able to get back to in-person at the office, even with limitations and restrictions, was really positive. And I felt like we were really able to, to get up and go. Not what you expected going into a campaign to run, dealing with all of that. No, certainly not. The, the finish line for the pandemic has always been up in the air. And I, I think some people may have thought in March of 2020, it would just be that two-week extension and then we'd be done and back to our lives. And we all know that didn't happen like that. So you enter into something knowing that you'll be able to hopefully make a difference and have an impact. Then there are other extenuating circumstances that impact it, but you, I'm still able to do the work. So your journey begins long before the last year becoming president. You were in the classroom yourself. Looking back on, on those experiences now, how did they help inform you and help get you to this point like where you are? Yeah, like everything in my past has been leading up to where I am, even though I didn't know that at the time. And I build on those experiences to for the experience that I have to help guide where I am. I had never intended to become a teacher. I went to teacher's college because one of my friends at university was in the same program as me a year before, and she went to teacher's college. So I thought, I'll go to teacher's college. And I got in, and then I thought for a job interview, and I had four offers. So I thought, well, if somebody offers you a job, you should probably take it. So in 1991, I started teaching grade four, five, and six core French in Keswick. And that is not a path to the president of OSSTF. I was a member of the Federation of Women Teachers Association of Ontario, which then become, became the Elementary Teachers Federation of Ontario. But 
Everything I said I would never do, I ended up doing. I'll never be involved in the union. <laughs> I was on local time release with ETFO when I left that in 2007 to take a job at a secondary school. I thought, well, the possibility's there, so why not try? And then I was able to stay involved in the union and get involved in OSSTF. And the pathway ended me up here, which is not some sort of plan that I had, not something I'd ever imagined. I'm grateful for the opportunity. But I, like I said before, I, I really feel like I can have an impact and make a difference. How does that union involvement start? <laughs> Can't imagine it's an overnight decision. It's not at all. So uh, I did a couple of things when I was still working in York Region, but it started more when I became an elementary teacher in Simcoe. And for me, union involvement is all about relationships. We were part of a very small staff at a new school, and one of my colleagues had put her name forward to be the secretary of the local executive. And the next year, she said, I'm going to go on to another position. Why don't you do this? And I thought, I don't know how to do any of that. She said, you'll be fine. So that's how I started as the secretary to a local executive. And since that time, I've been incredibly involved. It's you stay involved because of those relationships, too, because it's not easy work. There's a lot of time that you spend away from family. I was fortunate by the time that she said to me, you can do this job. And my kids were a little bit older because if they were younger, that would have been a barrier for me. They wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to be involved the way that I am. My kids are 22 and 24 now. But they have seen me go through this journey and this path, being involved in the union and devoting many evenings and weekends to, to work that I love doing. I can imagine there are many stops and starts in your head of whether I continue, do I do mm -hmm. more of this? When does that moment come when you realize, you know what, I do have something to give here. I want to lead. I am leading and want to go further. Yeah, it's um, my brother is not from a unionized environment. And he would say to me, why are you away this weekend? I'd say, I've got this meeting. Well, you're getting paid. No. Then why do you? Because I enjoy the work that I'm doing. And I would say to him, as long as I'm enjoying it, I will keep doing it. And when I don't enjoy it anymore, I will stop. And there was just so many different opportunities and ways to be involved and to be connected with other people that it really is addictive. And I'm not artistic. I'm not musical. I'm definitely not sports oriented. I always said union involvement was my extracurricular. I was giving back to the staff at my school through my union involvement. So I was representing them and bringing them information. And that was the contribution that I had. As a teacher, we have to do our annual learning plan every year. I always put union involvement on it. I never had a principal say I wasn't allowed to, but that was part of my development that I was doing. And I was committed to learning more and doing more because I knew that it helped the, the people at my school. So when does the decision come to move away from full-time in the classroom and pursue the union work full-time? <laughs> so I, it's like a gradual involvement and you end up doing a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And I'm often asked, do you miss being in the classroom? Of course I do. I loved being a teacher. I've loved every job that I've had. I, I worked at a beer store downtown Sudbury. I managed a bingo hall. That one really wasn't my favorite, but pretty much every other job I've really enjoyed. And there's there's value in it. For me, in the classroom, I was able to really have an impact with the students I taught. I taught in 
most recently in congregated classes, kids with developmental disability and or autism. But I was involved in the union too. And I decided that I would put my name forward to be uh, a vice president of my local OSSTF executive as a result of acceptance into a program called the Governor General's Canadian Leadership Conference. And many people haven't heard of it, but it's a life-changing experience for Canadians who are midway through their career, headed towards positions of leadership. And I remember being in Vancouver for the Canadian Labour Congress annual general meeting and seeing an advertisement for it and saying, I'm going to go to this. And, and at the time, I was told by Patty Coates, who's now the Ontario Federation of Labour president, she and I worked together in Simcoe County. She said, it's really hard to get into. And I said, it's just speaking to me. I'm going to do this. And I put my name forward. And it's uh, about 230 Canadians, like I said, midway through their career from business, industry, non-government, union. And I was accepted to be a participant. And it was really, it's why I ended up where I am today. It's because I had decided I wanted to participate in this. And it, there were some barriers because I was a full-time teacher at the time. I would have to have time release and that's challenging and it's costly. And you'd, I thought I would do whatever I could to be able to go. And fortunately for me, my bargaining unit paid a quarter of the cost. My local labor council, I was on their executive, paid a quarter of the cost, and my school board paid the rest of it, which was really shocking. And it's really supportive of me and what I wanted to do with that. But that actual participation in that was life-changing. Like I said, I was in a small group, and we traveled to Alberta together. Aaron O'Toole, who was the former leader of the Federal Conservatives, was in that group with me. There were other lawyers, people who worked for CBC, worked for Hydro, somebody who worked for the government in Nunavut. And we were challenged in our thinking and our ability just basically to see things differently. And for me, the, the biggest moment of impact was we're, we were on the tour bus and a lawyer from Winnipeg said to me, I always thought that unions were picket signs and strikes. And he said, talking to you, I realized that unions are a lot more and they're about bettering the lives of, of their members. And I thought, wow, if I can let people know what unions do, I think that's really important. So I decided, well, I'll put my name forward to be the vice president of my local bargaining unit. I was still working in the classroom, doing that work on my, my spare time, evenings, weekends. And I ended up being the president of the bargaining unit and became more and more involved. And as a, a woman, I find for many of us, we need people to recognize the work we're doing and to say, I think you should be on the provincial executive. And the first time somebody said that to me, I just laughed. And it was probably a couple of years before I even considered it a little bit more. But when you have enough people saying that they have confidence in you, that your voice matters, that you will have an impact. I've come to the recognition that a door opens and you go through it. And if you don't like it, you come back out. So I thought, well, I'll run for the provincial executive. And you know, I'll be honest with you, when the election happened, I was writing down the votes for people and I wrote down mine and I thought I had lost. And my campaign manager said, you won. And I said, no, I didn't. I'd written down the number, but I just couldn't believe that had happened. And so I was now a member of the provincial executive for OSSTF. So I'm not in the classroom now. I have a job that really makes a difference. And uh, it was 
really a lot to do with that participation on the Governor General's Canadian Leadership Conference. You talk about barriers that you've faced, I'm sure, even that experience running, even jotting down those yep. numbers, those barriers are probably playing in your mind. And you've mentioned children, you've mentioned being in the classroom. What other barriers that were in your head, maybe, that maybe were they real or not, but you thought, no, no, I can't do that. Yeah, I, I think that all the time. I will listen and watch, and sometimes you think, I wonder if I could do that. No, I couldn't do that. I like to, to play along when there's an interview and hear a question and then try and think of what my answer would be. And now I'm in the position where I'm actually answering those questions too. So I hope someone else is playing along and doing that too. It's really important for me to be recognizing others and to be doing what was done for me, to be saying, you can do this. And this is men and women alike, but I, I think it's really important to recognize women and the work that they're doing and the accomplishments and to say, I believe in you, because we don't hear that a lot. We say it to others, we just don't hear it enough. And I, I think we can really have a, a, a massive impact. The other thing I love to do is to connect people together to say, you have a common interest and you have a common interest. And from my position that I have now, I'm privileged to know so many different people. And if I can connect a couple of people together to make them more powerful, I, I think that's really something important that I can do. I remember watching The Tonight Show years ago and whoever the guest was on said, oh, I'm not going to be around forever and it's really important when the elevator goes down for the last time that I put someone on and send it back up. And that's, that's a goal that I have to make sure that we've got others to follow in our footsteps. Who do you think about when you think of mentors or femtors in your experience? Who stands out in your mind? Yeah, so I mentioned Patty Coates earlier. She and I work together locally in Simcoe County. She's the first woman president of the Ontario Federation of Labour. I, I look up to what she's been able to do and accomplish and the power that she has. I look to the women around me, though, and I'm really inspired by my daughter and the strength that she shows. She and I went together to the Women's March in Washington, and there's a picture that I love that says, like mother, like daughter, nasty. And I just, I think it's really important for us to use our voice and to speak up and to take chances and to be out there. And it's not necessarily always those who are famous, but it's also those who are taking an everyday issue and working towards it. When I was on the Governor General's uh, Leadership Conference, I had the privilege of meeting the head Nenshi, though, in, in Calgary. And I, I so admire his leadership. And something that he said to me was, we shouldn't be considering levels of government. Whatever level you are in as a leader, it's a branch. It's, it should all be viewed with equal importance. If your taxes and your federal taxes, the money's not provided, it takes a while before federally there's no money. Provincially, you might notice in a week or so, if your municipal taxes go away, you notice that day because your toilet's not flushing or your water's not on. And every aspect of leadership and government is equally important. And we have to view things like that. Speaking of leadership, in your role now as president, you are the 11th woman yeah. in this role throughout the history. Does that ever... <laughs> jump into your mind and think, wow, we need more of me. And, and how, do you, how do we lay that out? How do we help that happen? Yeah, I think it's through the outreach, like I mentioned, recognizing the work that people do. But I do sometimes look at the list of names at the entrance to our office, and there's a lot of great, strong men who are there. 11 is not a lot in 103 years of history. And I think we have to have it be more the norm than the exception. And we need to have women 
being able to say, yes, I can do this. Racialized members being able to say, yes, I can do this. Members living with a disability, we should be able to have access so that anyone can have an impact and can lead. I think we're all leaders. I think it's that thing that you just have to be able to dig out and bring to the forefront and just stick with your integrity and move forward. And I think that's the best thing for anybody. And even your choice to run for provincial president, it's again, not an overnight decision. It comes after years of those steps towards something that, yes, you do make a final decision, but it doesn't come out of nowhere. And that experience and time is needed. That's right. And those decisions are hard. And it's not a movie when you can fast forward and see how it ends. You take a chance, the door opens, you go through it. If it doesn't work out, I've said all along, I've got a great job teaching that I could go back to, but I think I can give more in this. And I feel like the the Federation has given me so much that I need to give back to. We picture uh, there's a, a movie called Sliding Doors, and uh, it's about one path of life that happens, and then the movie goes back in time, and then it's a completely different path. And I could have a number of different paths, but I'm just so privileged to be in this path and that things ended up the way that they did. Some of it's timing. If I hadn't seen that ad in the paper in 2007 to apply for a job in high school, I would have been perfectly fine staying in elementary. I had a great job. I was working five minutes from home. I I took a job where I had to drive 40 minutes and the first three days were a snowstorm and I cried all the way to work and thought, what am I doing? But I knew that I was taking a chance and I knew that if it didn't work out, there's other things that I can do. I think we get stuck on the expectations of what we should do. So for me to run for president, I was told you're only, you've only been on for four years, so that's not really enough. And that hasn't happened before. Okay, but there's no rule that says that it can't. There's no rule that says that I can't put my name forward and the delegates can decide. And, and that's the way our democracy works. And that's the way it has to continue to work. And now you're president and you're leading your union into provincial bargaining. Yeah. Why does that make you feel? How do you look at that? Wow, this is where I am now. And you can have this influence on an entire membership. Yeah, and it's so important. We have such a diverse membership. We have so many different job classes. And I I, I get really frustrated when people say the teacher's union. We're not a teacher's union. That might be in our name, but we're not. We're an educational team. We have the full service delivery model from junior kindergarten up to post-secondary and adult continuing education. I have the ability to have a really big impact on that. I have an incredible team of six other elected people who are dedicated as well to bettering the lives of our members and protecting public education. And then we are all backed by a staff that are really doing everything they can to support us as well. It's a massive challenge. I'm one of four women presidents of big education unions in Ontario. I stand in solidarity with my comrade sisters. But I'm the president of OSSTF, and I have to make sure that we have the best possible deals for our members. And that will take building trust. And the only way you build trust is through your actions and what you're doing. And I hope that my actions since July 1st last year have been able to indicate that I'm committed, dedicated, that we have integrity, and that we will do whatever we can. We have had an impact during the pandemic. So Despite what some may say, unions haven't done anything. We've done a lot. We've really done a lot. We've taken concrete actions and we have had an impact. And we have to recognize that. But then we have to work together as we go forward to make sure that we're going to have the best possible impact. 
A 1% wage increase is not sufficient. This is an attack on women, and I, as a woman, need to speak up for my women and women-identifying member comrades, but this is for all of education and public service in Ontario. You mentioned your counterparts and the other Ontario organizations for women right now leading, and it's extraordinary, but it shouldn't be extraordinary. Right. How, what kind of a message do you think that does send, not only to other members, other people who identify as women within the organizations at the possibilities, but to children throughout the province to see boys, girls, whomever, yeah. to see, look, this is possible. That's right. I'd like to get to a point where we're not counting percentages and we're not looking at, yay, we made 50%. That's not what I want. I want to have people who are strong, dedicated, commitment. I remember when Justin Trudeau said, you know, it should be 50-50 in my cabinet. That's great, but why can't it be 75-25? Why can't it be 100%? It needs to be people who are dedicated, who really have the passion to deliver for our members. And I think we need to be recognizing leadership where we see it, lifting others up so that they can live to their potential too. And by effect, then we're, we really are working to improve the lives of our union members. What advice do you have for women, maybe like yourself, yeah. some years ago, sitting there going, yeah, I'd like to do this, but I don't think I can do this or yeah. no way I can do this and laughing at themselves at the, even yeah. the, the, the concept. What do you say to them? Yeah, listen to that little voice inside. And if, even if it's a whispered conversation with someone, they said this and they think I might be able to. What do you think? We have someone, we all have someone trusted that we can ask that. And then listen to them and believe them. They're, they're not trying to set you up for something. We're trying to have people who are ready to lead and to serve as well. I don't know that you can teach somebody to, to be fearless and to say, I'm going to try it and see what happens. It's pretty challenging. We have a lot of people who have commitments in, in other areas and, and, like I said, maybe have small children or maybe have there are other barriers. But if we can break down some of those barriers, allow for more access, and allow people to see that they, they do have that power. I, <laughs> when I taught special education, I would talk about we need to give our, our students a power card and give them the voice. And I feel like that with our union members too. Everybody, they need to know that they have power, that they have a voice, that one person doesn't change anything on their own. We have over 63,000 members in OSSTF. That's a really powerful movement. Look at all the people working in education in Ontario. If we all stood up and said, protect public education, if all the public servants in Ontario said, protect public services, look at the power that we would have and the ability that we would, I don't know, listen to that little voice and, and try and build some confidence in yourself. And when somebody says that they think you can do it, believe them. They're, they're not making it up. It's true. You even talking about this, I could tell that you enjoy doing what yeah. you do. Had that comes across and. Hopefully people do hear that and, and uh, feel that as well. I want to thank you very much for doing this. Just wanted to know as well, do you have any final thoughts, anything that I haven't asked that you'd like to? Yeah, I, I'd like to picture where we're going to be 100 years from now. OSSTF is 103 years old. Where are we going to be in 200 years? What will it look like? Will we still have public education? I certainly hope that we do. Public education is the great equalizer. It should be available to everybody across the province, across the country. We need to also use our power, though, as an Ontario union to impact education around the world, too. I think about the girls in Afghanistan who, again, are having their education denied to them. We are in such a position of privilege in a prosperous country of Ontario, but we need to have that impact across the world, too. And I, I really hope that people will 
recognize the power they have in themselves and and just step up. But sometimes it starts with a little step. I talk a lot about do something little, medium size and big. And what's little for me might be big for you. And I might need someone to hold my hand to get there to do something medium size. But at least then you're doing something and you are making a difference. Karen, thanks so much for this. Thanks. It was great talking to you. Thanks for joining us for the latest episode of Source. I hope you enjoyed it. Now be sure to keep an eye out for our next episode in our series on women in leadership at the CTF FCU. And be sure to follow us on your preferred social media channel at CTF FCU.